Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast, the podcast for games on all platforms, including the tavern to fulfill your village's need for leisure. I am Daniel Winter. And this is Mark Yuasa. Hello. Hi, we are coming in off the new year and a new round of 50 episodes. And so Vancouver not doing super well with the winter right now, but uh, <laughs> all, all the more reason to be inside and playing games. So how, how are you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm doing okay, surprisingly. Staying warm, uh, I, I hope. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely staying warm, bundling up. So no problem there. And, you know, I work from home. And my kids go to school across the street, so no no big issues where it comes to snowfall. Although, you know, really, come on, Vancouver. Two inches of snow and then you lose all sense of reality. Uh, that's kind of wild. Yeah, it's uh, snowmageddon out there with the entire one centimeter and took taking me three hours to get home last week. So I don't have that luxury of working from home, unfortunately. Yeah, I did have to cancel my last RPG session, so I was tragically affected. Just means I missed out on yet another week. One day, one day I'll get back to play. I'll have to make those sacrifices. Okay, so for this episode, our featured cover of Against the Storm is coming up. But before then, we've got a little bit of news and what else we've been playing. So, Mark, what's news to you? I guess I'll mention one that is just like intriguing to me, but I don't really know much about it. I've watched a couple of videos. So I heard about this kind of ridiculous sounding name called a unicorn overlord. I think it just showed <laughs> okay. up in my YouTube thread and I was like, what is this? That's a silly sounding name. And then it said card game. So I was like, oh, this is like a, a, a Japanese card game or something like that. I guess it's that's interesting. kittens or something, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> but no, it's, it's a physical card game, but it only comes with the deluxe version of a Atlas published strategy video game called unicorn overlord so the physical game is not a game of the video game it's not that the video game is a digital card game it just comes with a real full-fledged physical card game as a bonus reward for the deluxe version so i just thought that was super weird but putting that aside looking at the gameplay videos of the actual video game it looks really kind of cool like it looks a lot like a cross between advance wars and fire emblem but with like some 2d hd so it's got a little bit of that octopath traveler flair to it mm. so as far as like a kind of a strategy game where you like basically get to take over a whole continent i've never really got into those types of games like the you know Nobunaga's ambition or like the romance of the three kingdoms old school strategy games that have been around from the nes days but it is somewhat intriguing to me this one's in a fantasy world it's coming out from a great publisher so the publisher's atlas and the developer's vanillaware it's got that trademark great looking vanillaware artwork so you know color me intrigued i'm definitely not getting the deluxe pack which comes with that card game I watched the video. It kind of pretty much looks like Dominion, rethemed Dominion. So I imagine it would have to be a pretty light game for them to just bundle that in like that with no other offering. Yeah, it's like it's like Dominion Plus. It's got mostly sort of a deck building sort of thing. It seems like with a little bit of lane based military campaigning, but it's multiplayer. It looks a bit messy. I, I'm honestly just ignoring the card game. <laughs> well, I am always looking for a new tactics game. I've got a few queued up already, including uh, Tactics Over, which I just mentioned, uh, that I'm hoping to get to this year. But uh, I'll keep an eye out for that one. So U Unicorn Overlord was the name? 
Yeah, that's right. It's coming out in March or April, so it's not out yet. Oh, that's soon. But I don't know. It's just another one of a whole wave of strategy RPGs that have come out of Japan in recent years, like the Tactics Ogre that you mentioned, which is you know a bit of a remake. So let's be honest there. That's not a brand new game. And but there Persona were Tactics came out last year, I believe. Persona Tact. There's well, there's Persona Tactica, Persona Five Tactica that just came out on Game Pass anyway. And then there was Triangle Strategy, and yes. then there was another one that kind of came and went. I played the demo, but I can't even remember the name. But yeah, it's <laughs> fertile fertile ground anyway. Excellent. Yeah, how about you? Well, on the board game announcement, we've had a couple of big ones to kick the year off, starting with Wormspan from Stonemaier. So this is a new game in the same flock as Wingspan. The, basically, Wingspan, but with dragons, I guess, is is, is the, the headline there. There is going to be some changes to the game as far as has been announced so far. This is uh, designed by Connie Vogelman, who recently got a bunch of buzz around her game Apiary, uh, with Elizabeth Hargrave, who designed Wingspan, just uh, helping out with the development there. Uh, and it's also got a, the artist is Clementine Campardal. So that, sorry, I, I butchered that pronunciation right there. But that is uh, a all w- women uh, development team, which is which is always exciting to see. And I don't I, hmm, let me put this <laughs> kindly. I, I'm not a huge fan of Wingspan. I never found it particularly intuitive, considering how mainstream it's it's become. But I think that's testament to the strength of its theming. And, and, and how appealing that can be. And uh, I mean, I, I certainly like dragons. I'm, I'm very curious to see how they play with the uh, imaginary, because, because they're designing their own dragons rather than just scientific birds, right? So there's going to be a lot more uh, imagination going to have to go into that. So I'm very curious to, curious to see what they come up with. I'm sure that, that'll probably be a big hit. But speaking of all women development teams, there was a similar one announced by Ravensburger this last week called... Chronicles of Light, Darkness Falls. That's a very video game name there. Light and Darkness, both in the title. That also is an all-women development team led by Pam Wells, who's uh, actually a Vancouver local here. So very excited to see more of that. Uh, in case it wasn't clear, that is actually a it's just Disney edition, but I believe that's the only version that's been of that game so far. So uh, a couple games to watch out for in the board game space there. That's really great to see. For a long time, women designers were in the vast minority when it came to board games. So I'm really glad to see that that's opening up, balancing out. I mean, congrats to, you know, Trailblazers like uh, Elizabeth Hargrave, the original designer of Wingspan, of course. And there are two guests that we had as well, Marie and Pauline from Hot Banana Game. Obviously, you can pull out some great examples of some fantastic game designers, but really in terms of like full force, two games on the horizon that have all women teams, that's really a great sign. Yeah, the industry is uh, finally starting to to come around and push for uh, a little more diversity there and uh, well-deserved, obviously. So excited to see what comes of both of those. Very nice. On my side, I'm going to jump back onto the video game side of the coin and talk talk about a new non-game app that I've been trying out on my Steam Deck. So everyone knows that I I primarily play uh, computer games on my Steam Deck these days. And it's great that I can install uh, tools 
unofficially, these are not unofficial Steam games, but tools like Xbox Game Cloud, there is a, a bit of a hack that you can implement. It's officially supported by Microsoft, so it's not that dodgy. But like <laughs> so, so long as you have an official Xbox Cloud Gaming account, you can play through a browser like uh, Microsoft Edge or something like that uh, through the Steam Deck. And it's pretty, pretty great. It's pretty seamless. I've played a lot of games like that. But there are some times when I really want to play a game that I own on the Xbox or even a game I don't own, for instance, a title that I know you're going to be talking about in a bit called uh, Jedi Survivor, I actually got to rent again from the library. And I kind of want to play it on my Steam Deck, uh, even though I have the nice uh, Series X downstairs. But with this <laughs> new tool called XB Play, it's an official Steam application, I can play Xbox Cloud games, which I could otherwise, but I can also stream a local Xbox on my network to my uh, Steam Deck. And apparently you can also steam it over, uh, you can stream it over the internet. So this, this app is called XB Play. It costs like, I don't know, $5 US or something like that. So very cheap. And with a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of login, it just works seamlessly. And I've been playing things like Jedi Survivor, which by the way, is running off of the hard drive and a disc. And then I can buy some, I can play some other games that I've purchased on my Microsoft account, which are not natively available through Xbox cloud streaming, because of course they typically only support the games that are Microsoft published or part of Game Pass, which are pretty much the same thing. Wow, that is just uh, platforms within platforms within platforms. Uh, Nesta right. doll of uh, <laughs> of streaming there, but uh, we're first moving towards the 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 future of not having to need specific platforms. And I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice Precisely. to just have it the case where you own a game across multiple uh, platforms, like. That's why Xbox Play Anywhere has been uh, has been really appealing, but not that many games have uh, utilized that, unfortunately. Yeah, until that day when we could really literally buy a game and play it anywhere, I prefer to buy hardware where I can consume media from multiple places. For instance, you know, I don't have a Amazon Kindle device, but I do have this uh, ebook reader called an Onyx Books. It's called B-O-O-X. And I can install Kindle, the app application there if I want to, because it's Android based, but I can also install Libby, which means I could read books from my library, or I can install Kobo, or I can install any number of, I can install Google Books, or uh, even Project Gutenberg, or whatever I want to, because it's an open platform. I really like open platforms. Uh, in the end of the day, the Steam Deck is a Linux computer, and I can install whatever I want to that runs on Linux. So, Really glad that this application exists. It's on the Steam official store, though. XB Play, go check it out if you're in my particular situation where you want to stream your Xbox console games locally on your portable device. Excellent. It's great to see more options that aren't just walled gardens for one particular brand. Uh, so, you know, flexibility for the consumer is always a good thing. For sure. Any other Excellent. news from yourself? No, no. Uh, so why don't we jump to what we've been playing? Why, why don't you tell us what you have been playing on your Steam Deck other than Jedi yeah. Survivor? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, of course, I have been playing my Steam Deck. I played a bit of Jedi Survivor. Of course, the game we're playing tonight, talking about tonight. But uh, a couple other games I've been trying out. One of them is kind of out of the blue. 
is there was a game that came out which was an officially licensed product from the 2009 Star Trek movie starring um what's his name uh from Chris Dungeons Pine? and Dragons Chris Pine yeah Chris Pine as uh, Kirk of course and I this game is kind of notorious I heard it was terrible <laughs> But it was on sale for like five bucks or something a while back. And I just kind of wanted to know. I just wanted to be, I'm, I was curious, just how bad could this game be? So 2009 or 2010, when this game came out, it was pretty much like the generation of Gears of War, right? Cover-based shooters or even like an, your Uncharted's or your Vanquish or whatever, like the game that started it all in terms of cover-based shooters. This is exactly that. It's a cover-based shooter. But a cool part of the design was that it was inherently designed to be co-op, played co-op locally, because uh, that was still a thing people did back then. And it's really great, because every mission always has Spock and Kirk. Always Spock and Kirk. And at any point, if you play single player, you can jump between them. And if you're just playing single player, there are controls where you can send the other player to go over here and press this button or go over here or shoot that target over there whereas of course you could play this co-op with a human and they can control it simultaneously and there's lots of puzzles where you know one guy has to climb up this way and hold the switch over on that other panel you can only solve these environmental puzzles or whatever as a pair so in that sense i thought it was kind of innovative uh, in the sense that it was foreshadowing games like No Way Out. I think that's what it's called from EA or that, that other one from EA. It yeah. takes two. Uh, games that are speci specifically designed for two players. So hmm. this isn't exactly that. It's for one player, but on the outset, it's encouraging co-op play. So I thought that was cool. In the end, the game is just ho-hum. The uh -huh. art production is actually really good. Like The voices sound authentic. Some of the voices might actually be the, the movie actors. The art looks great. It looks like the characters. You even get to see some species and some like settings that were not in the newer Star Trek movies that were a, a kind of like deeper cuts. Like you see like the Gorn and you get to go onto this Vulcan um, space station and you get to see some, you know, Star Trek-y stuff in that, you know, Abrams verse, what have you version. But... Uh, the gameplay is just a little bit dodgy, just a little <laughs> bit unpolished. I, you know, I would give it like a five or a six out of ten, but just I have so many other games to play, so I uh -huh. couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, those, those movie tie-in games have uh, never had a great reputation, and and they've largely gone the way of the dodo or or of uh, physical movie media these days. Uh, but yeah, uh, although I kind of feel like it's coming back in the sense that we just had you know, Ava Avatar the the. Uh, just had Pandora Avatar, game. and I'm thinking more of games like, what is it, that tie into that HBO show, The Last of Us, right? So they had Last of Us Season 1, which is based on Video Game 1, and I just heard that Season 2 is actually going to be not just an extension or not just a filler, it's going to be like pretty much Last of Us 2. Yes, so yeah. That's going if, to the other direction, though, right? <laughs> it's kind of reversed. <laughs> right, but, you know, Last of Us 3 is probably going to come out the pipeline, and it might just line up, if everything works out, with Season 3. So maybe it's going to be a limited series that just runs three seasons, but it could tie up with the game. The video game tie-in is kind of coming, coming back, in a way. 
Yes, yeah. But speaking of, of Star Trek adaptations, I have heard good things about... There was a, a Telltale Star Trek game that came out last year, I believe, that I heard was pretty solid and a, a very good uh, impression of Leonard Nimoy. So, I'm assuming it was uh, TOS there. Yeah, it's actually not Telltale. It's X-Telltale, people. Right. Um, right. There is some connection I, there. Yeah. yeah, I own that game. And it's, it is set in the, the sort of like the prime universe, but uh, it's probably with the, the future Spock come, come back sort of thing. So I own that. I just, I'm just kicking myself. Why did I play this ancient Star Trek game when I could have played the new one uh, and, and seen more of an authentic experience? So yeah, I'm probably going to boot that one up next. Excellent. Uh, well, I, as, as you teased earlier, I have been playing some Jedi Survivor. I treated myself to that over the, the Christmas break after watching uh, or re-watching some of Andor and heard some comparisons there. So I'm, I'm very early there. I don't have much to say yet. Maybe we'll, we'll dig in deeper to that game in the future. But uh, in one other game I've uh, been exploring is... Well, like, like a couple of years ago, there was a, a game that was doing the rounds called Phasmophobia, I think it was called. It was a, a co-op horror game that you, you basically played cooperative ghost hunters. And there was some really, a lot of like immersive simulation elements, like you could only hear your teammates when you were in proximity with them. And a lot of uh, gadgets and things that you had to, to, to use to sort of by process of, of deduction, figure out what ghost you were dealing with. And I never got in on that. I watched a couple too many streams and, uh, and, and, and psyched myself out. It was, well, it was <laughs> a little too, uh, uh, not, I, I wasn't really game to, to, to check out that brand of horror. Ghosts are not my, uh, my, my, <laughs> not something I'm super comfortable with. But there's been another game that's been doing the rounds in a similar vein these uh, last f few weeks, really. It's, it's pretty dropped in pretty hot, called Lethal Company. And I, I was hearing some, some similar vibes around that. And so basically decided to not watch anything, to not, to not psych myself out in advance and just to jump in blind. Uh, before I had the chance to get too, uh, to get too scared. So, uh, Lethal Company, this is a, a four-player cooperative game. You're basically playing space scrappers, space truckers. You, you, get, you get a ship hired by a, a nebulous corporation to go out to, to remote moons and, and find scrap. Uh, and as you can expect, there are plenty of, of nasty things on these moons. So it, it, you go into these procedurally generated facilities and there's a bunch of loot scattered around and also some various traps and, and, and monsters to, to face that all have their own quirks to them, shall we say. Like, what, there's one monster that can, can only move when you're not looking at it, like the old the old um, angels from Doctor Who. There's some that are more, more uh, sensitive to sound and s certain loot that will, will come with its own... own uh, hazards shall we say <laughs> without, without spoiling too much but uh, i'm having a, a great time with this it's, it's, it, it has the the proximity chat that you can only hear your friends uh when you're close to them and it just creates some excellent moment of tension as you as you're talking to someone and suddenly they're just cut off mid-sentence and you you have no idea what just happened and trying to like do, do you go and rescue them or you or do you just run and 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 try and save the loot that you've got i mean the corporation 
has a, a, a quota that you need to meet every couple of days that you it t- gets pretty tight very quickly so you you the pressure is really on to 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 push your luck and, and try and get that one just one more piece of loot so yeah I, i'm having a great time with this you obviously you need need the right group for it and it's, it's best when you lean into the those communication limitations and and to lean into the simulation elements so Pretty, pretty early on that. Haven't had a lot much success. Died horribly in, in many ways. <laughs> but uh, that's a, it's, a, it's a great uh, cooperative game. Yeah, I know you've been trying to get me to buy that game on uh, Discord, and uh, I'm a little I'm a little bit hesitant just because like I don't usually go for those multiplayer forward games. Although there, I can see the attraction, and you know you team up, you go in and you 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 get out sort of thing, and I do like that to a degree. I think the last game we played that's sort of similar is that what, Warhammer-themed game. What was it called? A Dark Tide, I think. Dark Tide, yeah. I, of course, I only played it the one session. Kind of felt like I had enough of that. And surely this game has its own subtleties that that I'm missing. It, 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 it's impressive that it's actually designed by one person. I believe it's an old, uh, like a Roblox modder, basically, and he's made the whole, this entire game by himself. And so that in itself is impressive. It's a, it's a very lo-fi game. It's not like particularly impressive graphically, but it ha- has a great sense of atmosphere, like a lot of heavy fog and these lo-fi models that are a little reminiscent of something like Alien, almost the way the just the scale of things. Uh, looming over you in the fog and the the unknown horrors and the like you go into the facility and the voice is like you, the, the the voice chat has this sort of echo filter over it that you you know just really adds to the the atmosphere so if you've got the right group for it uh, and it's only like 10 bucks i think too so uh, not, not a huge investment yeah yeah i don't doubt that it's it's great for the right audience i just don't know if i'm that if i fit into that right audience but yeah if it goes on sale or if you're still playing it next month maybe i'll, I'll join uh, join you in that excellent yeah so it's good to go in with a, a similarly minded group so you can just discover the elements together was like the game doesn't explain a lot so part of the joy is just discovering what the what tricks it has up its sleeve yeah, I sort of miss those waves because I just don't keep up with multiplayer games. Like um, my friend uh, Marcel was big into Valheim, and then that, even though that's on Game Pass, and I, I even own it on PC, I think that I feel like the moment has kind of when it come and gone. Yeah, if you miss that zeitgeist when when the buzz is all around and people are discovering the game, that, that's definitely a big appeal. But if you you got to, got to move quickly, otherwise people are onto the next thing. So speaking of which, uh, we've been playing any any board games or role playing games lately. I have not been playing a lot of role playing games because I, like I said, my last session got cancelled and we we were having some scheduling issues with our next session of Fallout the RPG, which I'm very interested in playing still. But I did pick up. Uh, a kind of a board game which is called uh, Dune Imperium, the digital version. So I'm kind of kind of dipping in. It's I'm dipping in, double dipping. I'm playing the video game version of the Dune Imperium board game. Uh, this is of course the base game that doesn't have the expansions that have since come out. But I've probably played more Dune Imperium already in the couple of weeks that I've owned this than I've ever played before. And I've gotten to try out all the factions. I've gotten to try out some custom challenge modes. And um, I guess um, it's fair to say we won't be covering this in full as an episode since we (laughs) covered the base game. 
But I'm ha- very happy to report that it's a faithful reproduction of the uh, original board game. The production quality is, you know, as good as anything I've seen in a digital conversion of a board game before. And unlike some, I feel like, missteps with, you know, the aforementioned Gwingspan Digital, which I thought had a really terrible UI, this game is neat, clean, tidy everything makes sense the you know animation flair is just not too much it's sim- most similar probably to the terraforming mars digital that i've played repeatedly before similar theme too but with just a little bit cleaner edge i think the art's nicer obviously because it's not you know <laughs> fricks games uh so so that much is better too and i think just the the gameplay is really enticing and fun even though it's just the base game of doing imperium i'm having a lot of fun with it and i'm playing it almost every day excellent yeah i've been very curious about that partly because i i first tried doing imperium on tabletop simulator i think it was and that really didn't leave a great first impression i, I didn't love the game until i tried it in person and i wasn't sure how much of that was just i mean tabletop simulator not really working as a platform i I generally avoid that (laughs) these days Uh, or something about the game itself that didn't translate to to being online card games especially can you you lose a lot of that tactile joy uh, digitizing those and i was curious to to hear that uh, tom from shut up and sit down apparently had a very similar trajectory in not liking it online, learning to like it in person. So I'm I'm very curious how Direwolf has has sort of adapted this to the online experience and sort of captured what is really enjoyable about that game. I, yeah. as we discovered, bef- as we discussed before in an entire issue, Direwolf is no stranger to digital card games. Exactly. Yeah. They of course produced the Eternal, which we covered in a full episode. I'm a big fan of that title. This game isn't nearly as you know bright and vivid and probably is is actually less complicated than than eternal in certain ways because of the sheer variety and number of cards but because i knew the physical game i think that helped my transition into this and even though there are some subtleties i think that the conflict mechanism the the warfare basically uh, they've done a really great job of in this it makes total sense visually and functionally a lot of the art assets are actually exactly the same like the card designs are literally the same they haven't like you know rejigged them for the digital version per se i think it just works but you could be right if you came into this just digital first it might not be easy but i think it's brilliant and i've been able to try interesting kind of like deck culling strategy deck building strategies because i could just get games out so quick with virtual opponents so yeah i'm i'm still open i'm really enjoying it but uh yeah i guess to each their own they're going to have their own opinion of whether a digital <laughs> version makes them happy or not yeah direwolf is certainly no stranger to, to online games they're, they're, they're quite practiced at that i think uh root they had they made the digital version for that i believe uh and right. i've seen some screenshots of this they they certainly seem to be adding a bit of flair to how they present some of like some of the conflicts and 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 like 
presenting the the results of of conflicts in an interesting way to to sort of le- like elevate the 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 tension of those a little more perhaps uh and so but i think part of me is just a personal issue that i i prefer to learn a game in person but i already know i love it so uh very curious to dive back into that i've also just happened to pick up the new uh version of the the physical game that is june imperium uprising it's a bit of a a 2.0 that I'm, i'm very curious to dig into soon yeah, I'd be very interested to try that out. I think playing this digital version has actually kind of reinvigorated my interest in that base game and its spin-offs, its, its expansions because, you know, I I think we as we discovered in that full episode, I, the jury was kind of out. I I don't think people really understood or recognized that if it was a great game at all when the just the base game came out, but I think pretty much the jury is in now i think universally they were talking about it on shut up and sit down recently that i think it's pretty unanimous that they all find that it is a good game now it's perhaps a game that just doesn't show itself it doesn't put its its, its strong foot forward it, it, it just takes a couple of games to really see the arc and and how the thematic implementations work just because the pacing of it is, is so unusual that uh, yeah, it just takes a, a couple of, of plays to really acquire a, a feel for how it all plays out. So yeah, definitely one of my favorites from the last few years. Looking forward to playing more. Great. Well, let's uh, let's talk about it some more when you've had a chance to get your hands on, maybe, or definitely. the next expansion comes out. Absolutely. Let's, let's play it soon. So uh, on my table, I've mostly been playing a few lighter games in the uh, as, as we ease ourselves into the new year. So I'll, I'll keep this brief. Uh, one that I, I received uh, just before the holidays, courtesy of Ravensburger. So this was a gift copy, but that is Strike. So this is a, a fairly old game now. A pretty iconic box of just bright yellow box with a, with a bunch of dice. <laughs> it's uh, not particularly exciting theme. There's no, I mean, in that there is no theme. It's just rolling dice into into the the black plastic tray, basically, and it's it's kind of a, a dexterity game and i mean it's a sort of game that that some people will want to get into the semantics of what even counts as a game and that there's not really a lot of choice or agency here it's just roll dice into the into the into the arena and and try to match symbols and if you don't match symbols then you you lose that dice uh it's a little bit of push your luck you can keep rolling more dice but when, when you run out you're basically out so play your elimination there and yeah the, the joy really is here that it's a game that you can teach to anyone all you have to do is you know just you can even just teach by example roll the dice in into the arena see see what happens but you you, you really the group is going to lead into the the theatrics of it you can get some people trying to do some some funny funky skill shots even if it doesn't really achieve anything uh the dice is so the arena is curved in a in a in a fun way that you can get people to try and like get some spin on their dice or bounce it in and uh people can get really engaged in the rivalry here so it's a very extremely light and breezy game but again one you can teach to absolutely anyone I, i've brought it out for a couple of different groups over the holiday and every time at least one person said they're going to rush out and buy it themselves so uh yeah so, but sometimes the best game is the one that's going to get played right <laughs> yeah i i gotta say it's a very unassuming looking game i 
I wouldn't say it looked exciting to me from the outset, but you know, play game or gameplay is in the experience. So I'm sure it yeah, is. Yeah, we fun. did, we did, there was some discussion about whether the game needs a little bit of theme. Like I, I've seen some people describe it as being in a gladiatorial arena and you could certainly produce this game with like symbols instead of dice pips such that you've got you know swords and shields because basically you're, you're rolling a dice into the into the into the arena one at a time and if it matches a, a, a symbol that's already there then you get to, to claim those dice and so you could you can get clever with like trying to bump multiple dice to try and create multiple pairs but that's about the full extent of any real control you have here it, it's it's extremely there's not much going on in terms of theme or presentation here but uh with the right group uh, sometimes theme can be too like you don't want too much theme if if people don't want the sort of a, a bloody gladiatorial sort of concept they like might not, not bring it out for their family so this is this is in, in having no theme it's literally the game for everyone in a sense yeah I can see that okay well why don't we leave it there and we'll take a quick break and come back with our game of the episode All right, so the game we're talking about today is a video game, and this time, it's been a long time, is a PC-only game, or desktop-only game, and it's called Against the Storm. It's by developer Aramite Games and published by Hooded Horse. Yeah, and this has been in early access for a couple of years, I believe, but just hits uh, the 1.0 final release last month in December 2023. Uh, so it's only on Windows, basically, but it is available through Xbox Game Pass. So throw a coin in the bucket there. So, Mark, what type of game are we looking at here? Yeah, for sure. This is a unabashedly single-player real-time strategy game. And it has elements of roguelikes, and uh, it, I think it's also fair to say it's a, a straight city builder as well. Yeah, which which is an interesting combination of genres. There, usually city builders, you're you get the impression of that you're trying to build something to last, right? You you the whole point is is you know having control and building your perfect city and and seeing it grow and develop and the whole concept of roguelikes is if completely ephemeral like short runs that are, are gonna you often end in in the in misery and like short bursts basically short play sessions are gonna be somewhat randomized and uh then you're starting over from scratch. We we covered uh, Hades, I think, is the main one we've covered in within that genre. So, and what a lot of people are going to be familiar with. Uh, so, how does that apply to a genre like city building? Yeah, I actually thought the comparison or or the the claim that it was a roguelike was pretty subtle at first because, um, you know, you're right. You, I think you said the exact word is that most roguelikes, roguelikes, and roguelites are short their brief bursts and hades uh can run a while to run through a whole session but you know you could die in in like 20 20 20 minutes or something like that 
other roguelites like Vampire Survivors or something has a definitive runtime of 30 minutes and that's it. I think there's an even shorter one that came out called 20 Minutes to Sunrise or something like that or 20 Minutes to Doom. I don't, I forget what it's called, but they usually have a set short length. You know, there's the concept of the run, right? So the run is the entire thing and then a run might be constituted of multiple levels, multiple encounters a game like slay the spire the separate encounters are actually quite short you might finish them in you know five minutes or seven minutes or something like that but ultimately the entire run is only going to take you like maybe 45 minutes to an hour in that sense it's unlike any roguelite that i've played recently because the the individual sessions which are i guess like the city building run um levels are actually quite long um i don't know what you would say your length was averaged but probably close to an hour is typically how my individual city building sessions went yeah probably closer to a couple of hours for me but i mean that's partly because you can pause the game at any time there are there are multiple speeds uh, options you can like from 1 to 1.5 up to 3 times speed uh, and you can also pause at any time so you can basically play the game at your own at your own pace and once you get more familiar with that you'll probably start ramping that up but I, I'm just I personally I'm the sort of person who usually has like a YouTube video on the screen and, and is pausing the game constantly to sort of micromanage and then fast forward when I'm not when I don't have it paused <laughs> yeah I have it on 3x 3x speed exclusively now and then I have ready access to the pause button like you say to do sort of micromanaging tweaks another actually ironically city big builder roguelite that comes to mind is called loop hero oh, so yes. we haven't talked about it extensively I've definitely played it a decent amount in the end, it didn't turn out to be my favorite. It didn't hook me, but it does have a city building aspect to it because between rounds, you contribute and you add to kind of like an overworld city. I guess similar in the way that you do to like Rogue Legacy also had a sort of a, a town you go back to, and that was the sort of the contrivance that they that was more built. of a town building with a menu though right it wasn't you're not actually building building a physical city like you are it's, here. it's true but in loop hero you are building a physical city you're you're right. controlling what each space in a grid actually has whether it's buildings or fields or this or that this is quite different the actual sessions are the city building and then the roguelite aspect of it is this sort of run which is like a long series expanding across an overworld map of of hexes yeah there's, so there's actually the roguelike elements actually play out on a couple of different layers there but let's let's, let's take a step back and just give a bit of uh, sort of thematic framing here of, of what this game is about so the, the the broad concept is that you're basically in a fantasy world there's some nebulous blight storm uh, that comes in every few years and and destroys everything you're playing the the viceroy of the queen of the smoldering city so very uh fantasy ass name there but uh you're sent out in between these blight storms to basically see new towns gather some resources and and co collect resources for, for for the uh for the, for the city before each storm rolls in and during the process you're basically 
you're starting to unlock keys, I believe, that can extend the period of of how long is in between those blight storms. But each uh, mission is basically you are building a town. You're presented a, a sort of isometric town, something like sort of Sim City or, or City Skylines, kind of, I guess. Uh, actually, building out the physical the buildings and roads and with a bunch of little fantasy workers that plays a, a, a lot like uh warcraft 3 uh that is partly what the original appeal for me was i actually saw this being streamed i think in uh in mox boarding house which we discussed recently and that was the first time it got on my radar i was just looking for something reminiscent of warcraft 3 that wasn't dota to be honest <laughs> yeah for me it made uh, more of a connection and, and of course this is it's different for every player based on their personal history, but it reminded me a bit more of Age of Empires uh, mm -hmm. due to the very kind of cutesy recognizable buildings, uh, which are semi-historical semi sort of medieval European with some fantasy flair to them, because obviously this is the, a dark, dark fantasy world. Unlike Age of Empires, this also has... Um, fantasy species like beavers, lizards, foxes, harpies, in addition to humans. And then that throws in a little bit of flair as well, because you'll have harpy houses and beaver houses. Uh, but you'll also have these things called like rain punk building collectors and rain punk factories as well. I don't remember the specific name, but there there is some fantastical stuff going on. But, you know, the cute square representation of them it's isometric at the start but you can actually tilt and rotate the map so you can have it as a more of a you know over top view as well if you wish you can swing all the way around a building for instance and the little workers are running around along maps yeah very similar to a perspective you might have seen in in those types of games yeah so let's talk a quick framing of, of how these sort of sessions play out uh, i, I kind of see it as there being two you're, you're basically r racing two meters there's the impatience meter of the queen that's gradually ticking up it basically acts as a, a timer before the game ends and you lose uh versus your progress i think it's called that you are pushing up by completing orders at periodic uh points in the, in the game, you're given a, a choice of orders that are usually little, little sub-missions like build a certain building or complete this many roads or have uh, have 10 harpies in your town. Now, they start out very simple and get, and get more complicated. And if each time you complete one of these objectives, you get a, a little smattering of bonuses. Uh, you actually decrease the, the Queen's impatience by a little way. So there's a definitely a, a bit of a push and pull going on there. Uh, and you usually get a, a new blueprint, which is a new build, a new building that basically you can choose from. So you, you're trying to, to f complete the, the progress meter before the impatient meter is, uh, is filled up. So that's the general arc of what we're looking at here. Yeah, and I thought those uh, elements were really ingenious because, like we said before, this is an entirely single-player RTS. And many other RTS games like Warcraft and StarCraft, obviously, and Age of Empires, the challenge comes from playing against computer-controlled or human-controlled uh, opponents who are, you know, most of the time trying to kill you and trying to break down and destroy your buildings. This game is not exactly like that. I don't think anything is going to destroy your buildings. Some of the- Yeah, there's no combat here. Yeah, no, no combat. 
the, some of your villagers might die or they might leave because, you know, maybe their conditions aren't satisfied. All of the different species have different wants and needs and likes and dislikes, which I thought was maybe one of the most fascinating parts of the game is managing the different types of Humans species. really like pies. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree there. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to give a, an overview straight from the description, but humans are an adaptable species, but very susceptible to rain. Beavers are hardworking and honest, but also quite demanding. Lizards are very resilient and distrustful species. Harpies are a noble and fragile species, yet with a primal aggressive side. And foxes are majestic and mysterious creatures, deeply bonded with the forest. So, you know, you can already tell from this description that the, the, the species are quite distinct. Some are at even odds at with each other. And having all these different fantasy races kind of gives you that like root the board game slash rpg conflicts in the forest kind of feel which is a little bit cutesy and it does it ends up being not as grim dark as it could be yeah it definitely has the in tone and, and, and the graphics look definitely look very dark and the, the sort of character design but there's not it's not really much conflict between the races necessarily other than they ha all have their own wants like humans tend to prefer pies and uh and and dr drinking beer and uh, beavers prefer wine and and pickled pickled goods i think it is <laughs> yeah uh, so they all have their own little proclivities which which is fine it's a fun way of, of like distinguishing them all they've, got, they've all got a pretty good character design i, I quite enjoyed um seeing your, your little uh ant farm of of, of of fantasy people running around the map yeah, and it was exciting when you can satisfy their needs and keep their their um, happiness level up. Or if their happiness levels goes down, conversely, you have to acquire, you know, you have to build houses that satisfy them or build or trade those foods that they're looking for. And I thought that was kind of good. On the flip side of that, I thought it was kind of a little bit, maybe a little icky that you kind of kind of got to gotta pick and choose Oh, we got some villagers here. Do you want the all the human villagers or do you want all the beaver villagers? Or do you want some mostly humans and then a, a lizard or the harpies and the lizards? It's and the species are inherently better at certain tasks. All the species can do all of the tasks, but some of the species are better at doing some of the tasks. And that's the kind of like what is it called the biodeterminism thing that i thought was kind of going away in areas like ttrpgs but still seems to be strong here and you know i guess as a choice i thought it was a little bit gross but you know very much per the course of these sorts of fantasy games interesting yeah i mean uh, that Hmm. It doesn't really go into any. Um, it doesn't get super explicit in how it presents that. Just it, it's usually a, v a vague sense of oh, beavers are better at chopping down wood, which I which you know makes sense on uh, on, on surface level. I guess uh, any, anyone can chop down wood if you want, but beavers will give you a slight bonus. And I'm not sure how much that is, but uh, you'll probably if you have beavers, you'll probably be sticking them into in, into cutting down wood. So I guess you don't have a lot of agency there uh, if you're trying to. to to 
min-max the game, you're going to play into those tropes, I guess. Yeah, and some uh, of the, the br- some of the mission, missions might even ask you to collect like 15 harpies or something like that. So there's some sort of gameplay aspects to it as well. I think you're broadly going to want a wide variety of uh, different types of people just so you can cover the, the strengths. Uh, and, and again, there's no actual conflict between them. Uh, they, 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 most of them are willing to live side by side uh, other than they, they have their own house. You can, you, can, you can build sort of communal houses or you can build unique houses, but those, those are all sort of unique unlocks. So you, you might... So they're, they're randomized, I should say. So you might you might only get human houses in one run, and everyone else just has to to board in together. So you're in sort of by by pure chance, often end up favoring one race or another, I guess. Yeah, and most of the time, like you say, uh, you're probably seeking a certain race, but it's going to be different, like in minute ten or minute fifty of a particular session that you're playing you're just you know you built some more wood chopping things you need some more beavers sort of situation let's talk a little bit about the the core gameplay of it you basically start off in a small clearing in the forest that has happened every single time and the forests can look slightly different from each other but typically you're always starting in a clearing in a forest and um, you're sort of surrounded on all sides by trees so one of the earliest things you're going to want to do is build a a woodworking a word word chopping uh, thing very much like age of empires but there might be other things other sources of food there might be eggs or berries or things like that natch also similar to age of empires so no surprise there there's a sort of like a warehouse that you always start it in and there's an interesting thing called a hearth and this is a sort of like a town center i guess and but it also serves like it serves a mechanical uh purpose it creates a radius in which you can build out and uh your villagers can live in they don't want to live outside of that radius, so that much is interesting. It's kind of like a town hall, I guess, in, in terms of its use. It's actually a shrine that you're using to to everyone to keep warm right. and, and keep the rain at bay, sensibly. But uh, yeah, basically, acts, acts as the center of your town, and you can build multiple ones of these around to try and expand your your influence. Right. So in in that sense, it is very similar to Age of Empires, but unlike AOE, you didn't have to constantly fuel it like you do in this game so you can fuel it with wood of course you can fire fuel it with coal eventually or other things like oil as well and that becomes like a a constant that you just have to keep the home fires burning which i thought yeah you get another meter you having to keep track of (laughs) yeah i actually thought it was added a good degree of tension in addition to those other things you mentioned like the the patience of the queen like those are the real things that are bringing attention into the gameplay and i thought those were really effective and well designed and there's also the, the cycle of the rain coming every like basically there's, there's, there's three seasons there's the the drizzle which is light rain there's sunny season and then there's the the storm season uh in which everyone gets extremely unhappy um the the seasonal depression disorder <laughs> as we experience here in vancouver uh is very real here um and it's sort of the, the general mood of yours of your all your villages will go down unless you can keep them warm and housed and fulfill all their needs 
Yeah, for sure. So you're going to want to build houses to keep everyone under a roof early on as well. And then basically you build certain types of buildings to collect certain types of things. There's about six or eight of those. And then there's a whole bunch of sort of production buildings. And some are free that you start with. And some you get unlocked on a periodic basis. I don't exactly know what triggers them, but it, they just seem to show up every few minutes. It's when you complete the orders, basically. Well, when you push up your... your progress also the orders come in every few minutes and when you complete the orders or otherwise increase your progress that's when you get the new blueprints that you build new buildings right and this is actually a bit of a complaint i have is that you know i like the fact that they have a bunch of buildings some of them actually make a lot of sense unlike something like starcraft the names of the buildings just make sense because they're mostly things people understand carpenters it's a bakery press it makes Biscuits and pies. Right. Temple, <laughs> you know, what Harpy House, like just, they're just English words. These are concepts that we've had on earth throughout history. We, you know, we get sort of what these things do. But each of, each of these production buildings can basically produce three or four types of goods, typically. And they're sort of a resource conversion thing, like a board game. So you pump one type of resource in and you get one type of resource out. A cool aspect of this is, unlike a lot of games, you can actually choose from three or four inputs to get that one output. And you can change that at any given time. So, you know, like a very logical one would be you have um, like a farm, like a ranch, I think it's called, and you feed it wheat and it produces milk, right? Or it produces meat. So the idea is that you're, you have a ranch and you're keeping cattle. So like that, that totally makes sense thematically, mechanically, it totally makes sense. And then you can also produce chickens and eggs there as well. But in other cases, if you're producing jerky, you can make the jerky out of, you know, shrimp or meat or even mushrooms at some point. But I, the, the way that you could change that at any given moment really creates a degree of flexibility that a lot of strategy games doesn't have. Yeah, and most build, most any for any given resource that you're trying to generate, there are often two or three different buildings that will let you produce that as well. So uh, you, you might be able to get the milk, the meat from the ranch, or you might get it from the uh, the the. Hmm, what was the other one? There's a, a not the bakery, the like the smoke smokehouse, smoke smoker smokehouse. Yes, yeah. yeah. So th th there's lots of different ways. So you might you might one one uh, one run you might just not get the ranch because you're given a, a random offering of buildings. So that's the, that's where the really roguelike element comes in. You've got a random offering of buildings, but there's multiple pathways to any given. Yeah, that's actually uh, where resource. That's actually where part of my complaint comes in is that most strategy games would have ten types of buildings and they they produce the things you need and the difficulty would come in the prerequisites so like a certain type of building would need another type of building to be built first uh, and then that that's that's where the, the the build tree comes from whereas in this game it's sort of randomized which buildings you'll gain access to some you have by default but most of the time you have to pick from a hand of three or four and early on being a novice at this game i ended up picking a lot of things that made redundant things <laughs> and i didn't know no one knows what the challenges those dozen or so many challenges yeah. are going to be so you might end up just having to pick out of the blue 
some type of resource and then you never end up building buildings that can produce that or you end up producing it so late that you just aren't able to make that economy work and by now after after 10 or so hours playing the game i have a sense of the the pattern i look at the things that it produces and i try and get a broad spectrum of buildings to support those things but it's not i wouldn't say it's intuitive yeah, there's definitely a few traps there that the game can doesn't prepare you for in uh, the way the because you always get the the blueprints uh, before you get your first run of orders, and so in, unintuitively you end up in this routine where you actually don't don't claim any blueprints. This is after I failed my first three missions or so. I, I, I lost my first three runs. But they eventually f- fell into a, a pretty successful um, s- sort of process where why you d- don't claim your first blueprints. You just wait instead for the orders to show up and then see what kind of resources you need to complete those and then go and wait for your blueprints. So there's a lot of w- waiting around for the right moment to, to pick from your various uh, options there that... Uh, yeah, you often because it, it, it's unintuitive in the sense that you want to just get the free stuff immediately, right? But oftentimes you don't even have the resources to build that building first, anyway. So there's a lot of timing and waiting for the right moment, uh, or it can feel like a little bit like pushing good luck at first, like hoping that you get the right blueprint. But in the end, it turns out more of a waiting game, yeah, uh, to just time everything out. Yeah. So I'm not saying that that old method of like Age of Empires or Starcraft, where you had to like literally literally learn the tree inside and out is better i that's the core reason why i'm no good at those (laughs) those old school uh, rts games is because i'm too lazy to learn the optimal path to look up the wikis of of how to you know like min max these sorts of builds right because you 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 start a game and every click and every second counts so you you got to have a given upgrade path depending on the layout of your map. That is very much the case here as well, but because it's sort of randomized, it's more akin to, you know, like a board game like Terraforming Mars, where you don't know what cards you're going to see later. You don't know what mm-hmm. sort of upgrades yeah. are going to become available. So you, you kind of have to take some shots in the dark. And in that game, that makes total sense because you're 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 on the frontier of society right you're on the frontier of civilization and i guess you could argue in this you're also on the frontiers of civilization because you're just trying to struggle against the impending doom of that um, depressing rain yeah i have seen a few people compare this to a board game other than the the, the simulation elements of actually seeing your people run around in real time uh like the the way the the options uh you, you're given basically four cards each time to, to select from uh, and I mean, that's all I, I always like improvising in these games. I like having a clear set of goals rather than a sandbox. Like that's why I haven't played many city building games like uh, City Skyline or SimCity even for, for years because they, there's just not enough of a goal. And here it gives you 
very clear set of instructions and or options to choose from. So you, you basically it's, it's randomized. You have goals, but you have some agency within that of how you're going to go out completing that in what, in what order. So I, I really do like that. I haven't seen a lot of um, variety. They do get a little bit stale after a little while. Some of the 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 orders and the blueprints, you're going to start seeing the same thing. A part of that, I will say, is I, I suffered a pretty um, bad save file loss when there was an update. I lost about six hours of, of playtime and had to start again. So a lot of the variety you're going to see is going to come from basically you un there's a, in that meta element of you get upgrades each time you do a, a city. Sorry, each time you build a town, you get some upgrades that you can feel it feed into this sort of meta progression. And that can unlock new uh, options for, for, for the future towns, basically. So there's, there's going to be more variety as you go. But that was a little more dragged out for me, partly because I lost that save file. Yeah, to be honest, I found that upgrade tree, like, promising, but also pretty basic. As in, I wasn't seeing anything there that was truly exciting me, like I would in a you know game like... I was playing recently with my kid, you know, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands or like a Borderlands where if you take this path on a track, like it's going to play like nothing else you've seen. But in this game, <laughs> there is a lot of you play like the early Borderlands, which is like you're going to be 2% better at this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of 2%ing going on here. I will say that. But most of those also have a secondary like they'll unlock a completely new feature. And that's another thing I did like is that it doesn't. Over, completely overwhelm you there's a lot of like ad additional layers uh, that it sort of locks behind these progressions so it's not to overwhelm the player there's a whole uh the, the whole rain punk element i still haven't unlocked like there's a whole mechanic whereby you collect rain and you can use that to power your buildings i haven't even unlocked that yet that's a whole other level of complexity to to try and balance yeah i've built uh, some rain buildings but i don't understand them like I, it doesn't make any sense to me because unlike those other buildings like the ranch or the smokehouse that doesn't have any real world comparison. So I thought that was an area that was quite lacking, like rain punk. It's such a silly word, like <laughs> slash punk quote punk is, is such a overdone thing. So rain punk doesn't really do anything for me. And if it's not well explained, then it doesn't really make any sense. It just seems to me like you're collecting quote water. I, I believe, again, that it is an option you can unlock later that you can use to power some buildings. Uh, but it's not particularly clear why you want these, why you want rain at the start of the game. So maybe that could be made clearer or they just lock those, lock those buildings off from you. I'm not sure why you'd be building them early on. And that, and that is one other thing I, I didn't love is that the tutorial explains the, the core concepts well, but you're pretty quickly overwhelmed with a lot of information on screen. It has, I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you've ever played World of Warcraft uh, and seen, or seen someone's screenshot of, of World of Warcraft and the dozens and dozens of little squares of like 10% strength and <laughs> yeah. uh, all the buffs and debuffs. And there is exactly that in this game of, of all the little uh, bonuses and, and, and debuffs in the, in the corner and like trying to navigate all of those and the, the various meters going up and down. There's a lot to keep track of that isn't necessarily intuitive until you get a, a feel for it. Yeah, I mostly ignore those. By the way, fun fact is I've only played this game on Steam Deck. I've never played this game with a mouse or a keyboard. So that is actually, I think, a big boon to this game. First of all, it's Steam Deck verified. Secondly, I didn't even play it on Steam Deck. I played it in GeForce Now, 
so I didn't even have to install it. I played it in the cloud. Controls worked like a dream. I had to tweak a couple of things to make it make a bit more sense, but once I had it tweaked in a great way, I even utilized the back touch buttons on the thing and I used the trackpads. This game plays like a dream even on a tiny, tiny screen. Surely it's more efficient on a big, big old screen in front of a computer, but I don't really feel like playing that way these days. So uh, just kudos to this game that you're even able to do it on that tiny screen. Platforms within platforms. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's great to hear uh, that, it, that it, often with these sort of micro-energy games, you're trying to move things around and click on menus and within menus that, that can get quite fiddly without, without a mouse. No, it's quite doable. I played close to probably a dozen hours in this game. I think I'm at level eight or something like that. And like I said, it has not has been nothing that I couldn't do on that tiny platform. Um, Excellent. Yeah. What you, should we kind of wrap it up there, or soon? Yeah, I have a couple of more points I want to touch on. Is that I mean, the the main thing I wanted to 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 get at here that I, I've kind of undersold so far is I think the the big point of appeal in this game. In the, um, why, partly why I've not played uh, sort of city builders or even a game that came to mind was Oxygen Not Included, mm-hmm. a game that I really enjoyed uh, for a few hours last year and then hit this wall of complexity when you've got so many different systems going on in, in your little uh, ant farm of a town there that I couldn't figure out. There was just... they. It was so many different systems of, of, of like electrical overload and circuitry and uh, interacting. The simulation level was just a little too much at a point. And I, I, you just lose the joy of, of keeping track of all, this, of all your little villages. And you, so I start again, right? And I'll, I'll just start with a new one. And this time it'll be better. I'll have a better sense of, of building things out from the start. And this, this game lets you perpetually live in that starting a new game. That like even even some role playing games like Skyrim, always they're always starting a new character, right? Uh, the, the 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 potential of starting a new game, a new city, and uh, that is the joy that this game just lets you live in in perpetually. And I, I think that's the the big draw here, that you yeah enjoy enjoy that that starting element of a game before things get too overwhelming. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that's great kudos. Like that's the most roguelike quality of this is that you do get better over time because you're earning XP every time you, even when you fail a mission, you earn XP. You get to unlock those upgrades, which are, albeit very basic. Um, you know, you're, you're getting better at the game over time and it encourages replay. I didn't really understand the aspect of ending like a era or whatever they called it. I guess that's yeah, when you I give find, up. I still find that a little confusing too. Yeah. Uh, well, that's when the Blightstorm basically comes in and resets everything. Uh, so it destroys all the towns you've built to that point and you've got to start afresh. But the, the map, the sort of over, overworld map will be slightly different with some different bonuses uh, and you, you have to start some trading posts again, but you still have all the upgrades you had previously. So in theory, it'll go faster the next time around. Yeah. Uh, and you start unlocking these keys that'll let you each run go longer and longer. It's not exactly clear like when you ha- when you need to end that and how much time you have. I think that could be a little more clearer. And I mean, there's, there's also this other element I have to say is like, Mark, are we the baddies? Um, <laughs> like, I-, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know who we're... I guess there are things you come across, like events. There's this cool aspect, which we haven't described at all, which is 
related to the exploration in the forest, as you're cutting down trees, you open up these areas that are called glades. And there are these very small, tiny glades, which can only fit, like, they're the size of a couple of buildings, maybe your town hall. And then there's these two types of harder or bigger glades, and they are sort of, they have challenges associated with them. And they have two names. I know that one of them is called Dangerous. I forget what the other kind is called. But they have a sort of a quest building, that uh, an event that you have to attend to, or something bad will happen. Yeah, it, it triggers yet another bad timer. <laughs> um, that you, it, it could be that it, it explodes and, and kills any villagers nearby, or it destroys all of your wood supply or something. But if you can, if you have the right resources to complete it, then you can get some more bonuses. But you have to like, you, you might not, it might, it might be demanding incense or, or scrolls that you just don't have. And so suddenly you're scrambling to try and find a way to, to build those. And that's an, again another, another little push and pull, with, which is there's so many of those going on in this game yeah i thought it was not too bad because like the production buildings you can often choose a different resource i didn't realize this until later because i it wasn't very well explained but if you just don't have that one resource that's demanding quite often you can just click the symbol and choose from a, a radial dial of maybe three other options which is really handy you might just have a ton of one resource and just hand that in so i thought those were quite cool you can obviously just choose to avoid uh, chopping down trees to unlock those glades you can really like just turtle up for a long time before you open those and here's a pro tip if you ever get those quests that say unlock three glades unlock four glades just build up two or three of those and then each glade that you unlock counts towards each of those goals so in that way i was yeah, really cheesing yeah. that aspect of it but at other times you have no choice. If you don't have any fertile soil in your starting area, you're gonna have to unlock those glades for a chance to unlock fertile soil, which will give you, you know, a permanent food supply, which you most definitely need by mid game. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those trees do not like being cut down. Like there is a, an active hostility meter. That, yet, yet another bad meter that's getting pushed up for every uh, woodcutter you have. Every glade you discover is pushing up that hostility, and that makes your uh, all your villagers sort of mood uh, go down as well. So again. M- so many conflicting meters that you're trying to balance here. Uh, but ag- again, that may, did give me pause, like uh, wondering if, if where if where the bad is, but going out and like resource extracting these towns, if maybe maybe the queen is evil, I, maybe she's causing the blight storm. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not sure exactly what's going Possibly. on. It's a, bit, it's a bit nebulous. It could be it could be like the spirit <laughs> island scenario, right, where you're the invaders and the spirits of the forest are fighting back. That could be it too, but. So far, in what I've played of the game, any of that would be pure speculation. Um, Surely you could speculate that, but I haven't read too closely into the flavor text to determine that one way or another. That reminds me, though, there is a very, very, very meager hint at a narrative in this game in that you have like this human ant even though oh your aunts yes yeah, although you could very perceivably be a beaver i guess maybe this is your found family <laughs> and you're, here's your human aunt quote unquote but you i mean that you visit her house did feel very tacked on oh like, absolutely it's a little weird virtual sorry with weird visual novel with like a couple of dialogue choices with your aunt that doesn't like really add much of anything yeah it's basically <laughs> this 
super basic slideshow visual novel, which kind of opens up like a like encyclopedia of, of features. Yeah, yeah. It's basically your uh, like, what about having in Civilization or or, or uh, even SimCity the the advisors. It's basically a bit of an advisor system, I think. But I'm, I'm hoping there's maybe some more story there down the road. Yeah, maybe in the next version, maybe against the Storm Two you would have a more seamlessly built-in version of the advisors because you only get to talk to your aunt between sessions of the game. You don't get to talk to anyone for support Mm -hmm. during a given session, which might be nice to get some advice or direction. Obviously, the the Civilization, the Sid Meier's Civ games are so mature at this point and so streamlined that they can afford that sort of thing. Plus they have huge budgets. This game obviously is a small indie, not so much, but kudos to them. Like they're having like 91 plus on um, Metacritic. I think obviously lots of people like this game for me. I'm just going to call out and say it. I don't love this game. I think it's pretty repetitive and I'm kind of getting tired of it, but I'm going to try and play it a little bit more. I'm going to try and play it for two or three more hours. See, if, at very least, I'm going to take it to that first key, which is sort of supposed yeah, to be like I'd, a boss. Yeah, I'd recommend that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. There's basically a... The, the goal shifts to being... You can you complete the regular orders just to, to, to stop the impatience, but the main goal of those is to complete these sort of mega objectives at, at a, this... Uh, at the key shrine basically and those are all much harder uh harder to complete objectives they're a little bit randomized but again you have a few options that uh, that definitely pushed me i was very close to failing that first key so if you're looking for a little more challenge that that's definitely going to be where you want to go yeah like that could be it i'm going to give it a proper shot and try for that but just the fact that these sessions are so time consuming this isn't a kind of quick you know 45 minutes and you're done like slay the spire or something like that this is just such a big time commitment that maybe i'd rather play something that's a little bit more open-ended like even another city builder rather than this or something a little bit more narrative perhaps this one obviously kudos there's so much promise here 1.0 is a great sign you know maybe 1.2 is going to just knock my socks off but right now i think my interest is only so only so hot for this one yeah i i I am really enjoying this i mean i'm partly treating it as a a second screen game while i catch up on my my youtube backlog Uh, i i am starting to see a little bit of repetition partly in that i've just i figured out a routine that successfully beats a level every time so i've I've started bumping up the difficulty a bit to try and regain some of that tension Uh, and i am unlocking some more upgrades as i go i'm hoping to see some more uh variety get added to the game i said i assume it is still very much in development it's only a six person team i should say uh so it's you know a small independent game um i've you know they've, they've achieved a lot so far uh and excited to see what they continue to, to add to this so I, I i am really enjoying it uh I'll, i'm very curious to see how it evolves over time though yeah kudos to them maybe this will make the eventual switch over to a truly second screen into like a more tablet based side and i think that would be really fantastic because like i could play this easily while watching tv with my wife right just on my lap and i think it would be too fiddly to do that with a laptop so just on a tablet 
like you like you say you can pause anytime you want to and fiddle anytime you want to the controls aren't so complex you couldn't convert it hopefully that's in the cards in the future and i would totally buy it again on a tablet platform if they did that yeah i could, I could to certainly see them adding like tweaking it to become more of an idle game rather than like real time moving your people around just um letting it idle in the background on your tablet or something um, more like menu management that could still retain a lot of a lot of the fun there uh, and I'd like to see them like maybe do some more like I'd like to see more more uh, mechanics around like working with the towns you've already built like perhaps coming across the ruins of a previous town you've built or in, in some way Re, re, I don't know, re- revisiting those in, in some fashion so that wasn't all for nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure there's going to be interesting things to come from the studio and publisher. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it's a great impression at the start of the year uh, and you can check it out on Game Pass or on uh, on Steam, I believe. Yeah, it's on Epic as well. That's where I bought it on sale. Uh, so go check it out. Okay, great. shall we talk about the next game we're covering? Yeah, so we've, it's been a while since we've covered a, uh, a regular featured board game. So wh- what are we looking at next episode, Mark? Yeah, of course, we're going to muddy the road uh, even more at this case. We <laughs> talked about Dune Imperium, the card game, the board game. Now we're going to be talking about Age of Wonders, Planetfall, the video game, the board game, which is, I'm joking, <laughs> it is the board game, which is based on the video game, which is based on a long running series of Age of Wonder PC games. So we're sort of flipping the table. Um, I haven't played this game or series before, to be quite honest, but I do have, I think, a copy of Age of Wonders 3. So I'm actually just going to install that and play a little bit of that just to dip my toes in the water. Yeah, I, I played a little bit of the video game uh, a couple of years ago when it was on Game Pass, but my computer at the time was not really capable of running it. And unfortunately, it's, it's no longer on Game Pass. So I'm going to try and track that down to compare. Uh, but the, that original video game being a 4X game, the card board game is actually quite different. It's more of a, a, a Seven Wonders sort of card drafting game uh, that I, I played once and uh, had left, left a good impression, I'll say, without spoiling anything. So, yeah, that, that'll be our next episode. You can join the club and uh, leave any comments on, on that or against the storm at omnigamersclub at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can reach our website at omnigamers.club and there's a little form there where you can send us a message or you can reach out at, uh, I think it's mail at omnigamersclub at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, you can find me at Board Game Feast. I've been putting out a uh, couple of, of, of new blog posts. I'm trying to revive that and keep that as my main focus this year at uh boardgamefeast.com as I as I'm talking now I'm about to drop my favorite board games of the year so that that should be live by the time you're listening to this congrats that's some good content to look forward to and I'll send another reminder that Terminal City Tabletop Convention tickets are on sale and they've started to add events to the schedule for the con so go out there get your tickets now sign up for events before they fill out especially i'm excited to be trying out the uh, rpg track of the con this year so this will be my very first time first time doing that so yay super excited 
Yeah, so our early bird tickets are available through to the end of January if you're if you're interested in that. Uh, and the the convention itself is in the middle of March from memory. Uh, I, I should know that date offhand as I, as I am on the committee, but yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I won't again. I won't necessarily have a lot of time to play games as I'll be busy helping uh, volunteer there. But uh, it'll be great to see some some friends and uh, hopefully sneak in a game or two. Very nice. Okay. Well, so until then. Uh, We'd be looking forward to your uh, messages. And until then, have a very balanced diet of gaming. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.